Assalamu alaikum and welcome to a special program here at Jota Salana. Actually, the 57th Jota Salana yeah, in the 57th. UK. And it's great to be here myself, Hanif Khan, and I'm with Dalib. Dalib, we usually talk to each other on a Monday, right? Yeah, Monday is our slot, I suppose. Yeah, but today but it's a bit, is bit different, right? We're yeah. in a muddy field I know. in uh, Alton. That's right. right. Uh, but you're yeah, always happy to be here during Jolsa. And you can see the kind of like it's a hive of activity out there, really, isn't it? So on, uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. when I was here setting okay. up, the Wednesday night, it kind of bucketed it down with yeah. so much rain. And the whole of the atmosphere that you're describing kind of is what you've just said. It's yeah. not muddy. But anyway, the spirits are high. And we've got two wonderful guests with us today. Yeah, we have. So we've got uh, our resident or one of our resident missionaries from Ireland, Atta Rahman Saab. And with him, we also have Aslan Malik. So we will be getting into where exactly they're located in Ireland. But ultimately, we are exploring the progress of uh, Islam, uh, specifically Ahmadiyat Islam, globally. Uh, today, so yeah. you know, our first, I suppose, yeah. our first step around the globe is to our neighbours, really, Ireland. Well, yeah. So one of the ways that we are talking to our residents and our listeners all over the world is through our various communications here at Jalta. Always at Jalta, we yeah. have our Muslim television Amdia, mm-hmm. and we also have all of our streams and our social media, and obviously Voice of Islam. And we are very fortunate to have our two guests. So I'll let them introduce themselves. By themselves, so <laughs> I let's think start it's off with Otto. Yeah, right? a, so tell us a little bit about yourself because you were very close to Voice of Islam when this started about four or five years ago. Now, you I were, believe our general secretary. Yes, <laughs> and um, and then uh, by the grace of Allah, um, you were moved and relocated to Ireland in Dublin. That's that's right. So, um, I was uh, first posted after graduating from the Ahmadiyya Seminary here in the, uh, in the UK um, to Hounslow um, and uh, I served there for seven years as a field missionary and uh, I, I also had the honor to be part of the Voice of Islam team from its uh, very you know initial days. Yeah, the inception. In the very inception yeah. and uh, that was a huge honor and privilege and it's uh, it's really great to be back and to see the progress it's made since mm-hmm. the last three years where yeah. I've been posted to Dublin. Mm. And, uh, no reflection of you as a general secretary. <laughs> obviously, obviously. <laughs> but but isn't that the beauty of our Jamaat? Mm-hmm. The progression, everything exactly. that we do, everything that like you've come back after three years and you see now what we're here as our studios here for Voice of Islam have grown so yes, much. Yes, and I, I, I you know visited Batulfu Mosque as well. And the facilities and the offices and mm-hmm. all the setup and I'm yet to I've heard a lot about Voice of Islam. Mm-hmm. I'm yet to see the new facilities right. that are in place for yeah, the Voice of Islam I, staff. No, yeah. actually, no, there are more. It's more been the admin side, but yeah. let's let's we're veering off the topic, right? Because um, let all our listeners know out there yeah. how did you get to i mean it wasn't your normal in fact a film comes to mind planes trains and automobiles and you didn't come from either or use either of those any of those modes of transport to get over to jolsa how did you get over to jolsa yeah, this year this year we actually cycled from dublin uh, we left on sunday morning and we cycled all the way to uh, jolsa salana mm-hmm. it was a uh, 400 around 400 miles journey to 650 kilometers to be precise Mm -hmm. and we covered an elevation of over 4,000 meters 
So that was 4,000 meters. 4,000 meters. You mean going up or going down? Uh, up. Wow. Okay. Plan, I was going to think, right? If it's 4,000 meters going down, that's pretty, that's no, just no. like free, free. No, that's no, no, 4,000 meters coasting, of right? climbing. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically it was up, wow. down, up, down, but uh, you up, were down. going up. That's a, that's uh, a massive long, incline. How long did that take? Oh. So, so we, we did it in five days. Wow. Oh. So uh, on average, you could say around eight, 18 miles. 18 miles a day. A, a day. Yeah. yeah. So... No wonder you're looking a bit thin. I, I know. I was going to say you, you look really healthy. Uh, so you you did you, you took part as well. Yes, Alhamdulillah, I took part and uh, completed the full cycle. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So did you actually kind of like have because you're 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 not in Dublin. Where are you? Uh, um, so I'm just based north of Dublin. It's County Meath, um, a small town called Batestown. So right, it's okay. close to Drogheda. Is, is, so. is it actually? Are you inland or on the coast? Uh, it's yeah, just right down the east coast. Right down yeah. the east coast. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you actually kind of like hook up, or did you have like a central meeting point? Yes. Or did you just yeah. do kind of like around the country and then decide yeah. to right? Let's get on the ferry and. Do the no, other no, so we started from the couple of um, hundred meters, yeah, kilometers. <laughs> we, we we met up at the mission house in Dublin, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the, to pull this off, uh, it required uh, a lot of planning uh, uh. and training from those that were going to participate. Yeah. And this this uh, cycle to Jalsa Salana UK, uh, the annual convention of the Amdi Muslim community, um, you know, to see this through, it took yeah. us three years. Wow. So, so, so the beginnings are from three years ago mm-hmm. when there was only one cyclist in the Jamaat in our community right. in Ireland. And now we've had a group of 11 cyclists who wow. cycled all this way. Okay. And so the age group between the 11 cyclists, are they so I think young, the youngest young? is 17 mm-hmm. and uh, he's the second youngest, I believe, yes. in the group. And we also have uh, some from the... the, the, the Ansarullah, the, the senior Did you say that? How Atta is looking over at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know you're an Ansar. Yeah, exactly. Well, There's then, someone, that's someone that, your right. age. But you know, the thing is, right? You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's looking at that because he looks at me as an uncle. <laughs> I'm such a dinosaur nowadays. So, um, Ansar, how old are you then? Um, I just turned 19, actually yeah. on the first day of our cycle, uh, so Alhamdulillah, yeah, I'm 19. So, did, did you have anything special uh, posted on the route? Although we don't celebrate birthdays but it's an event right yeah did anything special actually I'll, this question goes out to both of you i mean the journey in itself is memorable right because you've said it's taken three years from con- concept to actually doing it right yeah. so you know when you have that dream that passion to do something and you plan for three years and then you're actually doing it yeah. w- were there any memorable or weird instances happening because there must be a lot on a road trip yeah that can happen Go on, um, okay, yeah, so for myself, I mean, the most memorable for me by far, I think, was on our fourth day when we pulled into Battle for Two. Right. Uh, the reception we got was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, we had a few guests meeting us from each location that we were stopping at. By Battle for Two, we had cameras, yeah. uh, interviews, photo shoots. You thought you were in Sky Sports like, or something? Yeah, we felt like <laughs> celebrities, you know, professionals. <laughs> right, okay. Um, although we're just amateurs uh, when it comes to it. But no, Alhamdulillah, that was definitely for me one of them. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, one more, I got attacked by an eagle. Um, what? <laughs> almost. Trying to save myself, but that was, that was stick with me for a long time, yeah. You had what, so, physically attacked by yeah. an eagle? Yeah. Yes. Why, did he mistake you for a bit of fish or something? <laughs> it must have been something. I was yeah, one of the smallest guys there, so... So, so, what, was, but you know, so for what me, were you doing, Atta, whilst, whilst Arsenal <laughs> well, was being well, attacked first, by I an was, eagle? I was, I was leading the group right, right on the route, <laughs> and, 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 and ah, I saw ah. this eagle go past, 
right? Right. And then the next thing I hear, Aslan's talking about, did you hear me scream? <laughs> <laughs> I almost got attacked by the seagull. <laughs> oh, sorry, seagull. No, I not seagull. eagle. No, 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 eagle. Oh, it's an eagle. eagle. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, right? You know, no, 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 not a seagull. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> exaggeration, right? I thought he was exaggerating. Initially, no, 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 like eagle, 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 eagle. So, so what, were your, eagle. what were your outfits like? I mean, for, for that extensive amount of yeah, did you cycling like every day. Were you in Lycra? Do yes, you have yes, messages? So some of the um, elders, when they cycle around, they have some lovely messages on their back. Our motto, love for all, hatred for none. Did you have something yes, similar? Yes, that, that's right. So uh, when you do long distance cycling, uh, you of course have to wear, um, you know, the clothing yeah, the that's clothing. designed for cycling. Yeah. So you can move at a good pace. Um, um, so uh, we, we had our jerseys made. Uh, on the back, as you've mentioned, we had love for all hatred for none. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the logos of uh, our youth auxiliary organization, mm-hmm. which organized this event, Majlis Khudam Lamdia, or uh, AMIA, Amdiya Muslim Youth Association, Ireland, and the cycling club logo. Uh, it also mentions uh, the Jamaat website, alislam.org. Um, mentions the name of so the. Did you get kind of like on your, you know, on your journey over here? Did you get locals kind of stopping you saying, mm. right, you know, wow, you don't get a load of like Marabis normally kind of like cycling along in in Lycra. It's not exactly everything that you are. You well, see well, that every day. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do try uh, put shorts over just <laughs> uh, as a way of modesty. Right. And okay. um, so uh, two things I can remember during yeah. the journey. Uh, on our second day, I believe it was when we were cycling into Birmingham, we stopped out this one scenic spot mm-hmm. for our prayers. And there were some uh, elderly individuals and they, they stopped by and they started asking questions about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and we explained that this is actually a charity cycle mm-hmm. um, that we've organized. It's for three Irish charities, local charities. Um, and um, we're cycling to attend an annual convention mm-hmm. and they don- donated 20 pounds. Wow. And uh, the other thing I recall, it's escaped me now. What was I going to mention? <laughs> it's nothing <laughs> to do with he'll the eagle, back, is it? He'll come back, he'll come back. <laughs> we're, we're definitely getting plenty of friendly beeping, especially yeah, right. the, the final two days, uh, going to Battle of Fadu mm. and then coming on to Hadik Dol Madi. Now I remember, which city was it? Um, I think, no, through Birmingham. Right. When we were going through Birmingham, you have a lot... Yeah. So they really appreciated and liked that there's a Muslim group cycling through. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I heard this lady saying, go oh, look, Muslims cycling for peace. Yeah. Right. Mm. Oh, I see. So, I mean, you know, what message or inspiration do you hope to convey to fellow attendees at Jolsa Salana 2023 through you know, your cycling endeavor then? Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, when you experience this hardship, mm-hmm. like the, you know, early Amdi Muslims, when uh, the Prophet Islam, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam, may peace be upon him, when he initiated the annual conventions, uh, the community was poor. You know, if you look at the subcontinent, the, the, the poor members sacrificed everything to make mm-hmm. long, hard journeys in order to attend this spiritual event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the message they had from the Prophet uh, peace be upon him, was that do not consider this as any worldly um, uh, event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, or fair. Uh, this is a, a spiritual event, mm-hmm. and and we heard today in His Holiness uh, Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the worldwide head of the Amdi Muslim Communities um, uh, Friday sermon address here at the convention. Um, you know the significance of this event that it's mm-hmm. for 
uh, enhancing spirituality and knowledge that's why we're here mm-hmm. and so when you go through that hardship and when you get here you enjoy the spirituality even more mm-hmm. it you makes feel it like all it's the more worthwhile right it's that it's that light at the end of the tunnel exactly yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thanks, so Aslan, what about yourself did you experience or feel any emotions arriving here is this the first time you've been to a UK international Jalsa? Uh, no, alhamdulillah, I've been to Jalsa plenty of times before. Uh, we try to come out almost every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this time for sure it was very different. Like pulling in to Hadik Madi, meeting up with all the German cyclists as well. So the massive... Was there was. some kind of like friendly rivalry between the Germans and it the Irish? It seemed so, I think. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there was a bit of a feeling in there. Yeah. So, we got uh, here first. Yeah. <laughs> we got here first. No, the Germans would have got no, here first. No, the rivalry is what bike are you... <laughs> <laughs> what bike have you got? How heavy is your bike? Is oh, really? That, is that the bike speed? Uh, yeah. well, actually, it was it was a really amazing atmosphere yes. because we mm, had yeah. the German. We, we are jesting, uh, but yes, of go course. Uh, and uh, they, uh, there was a uh, uh, some U- cyclists from USA that had travelled and joined the wow. cyclists from Germany. Yeah, okay. There was one from UAE. He was mm-hmm. uh, from Benin, mm-hmm. and so in a way, there was representation of Africa. Yeah. And from us to have come and met. Um, our country market they were right. coming from Islamabad we were coming from Battle of Two it's like the Olympic we, Games we, we met <laughs> and then and then the Germans had it all figured out yeah. that we're going to have a, a vehicle in front a vehicle behind there's wow. a cameraman shooting you know yeah. uh, footage there they has a so light flashing organized. and then two yeah. abreast a yeah. big group into yeah. Adikthul Madi, undescribable. Excellent. It's such an amazing feeling. German efficiency, well, right? What can you say? Vorsprung durch technique. And, really. and the, yeah. the funniest thing is, as we came in, Amisab UK, Rafiq Yad Sahib, yeah. he said that now, you know, we're going to give you a chance to go swimming in Hadikatul Madi. Right. And then when we went down the tracks <laughs> to go to the marquee for refreshments, we realized what he meant. Yeah, because right. it was the, the hardest part of the journey. Yeah. Because the, 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 the tires were skidding yeah, and... Yeah. Mud flying everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. it adds to the Jules experience. Exactly. It, it, yes, it definitely does. But, you know, it's been a pleasure having you both on. Uh, and, you know, as a message to, you know, all of us here, uh, and it's just, you know, Atta Saab was like saying, just to re- remember the words of His Holiness, uh, Mr. Masra Ahmed, head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And it's just, you know, we are all part of Jules. And it's, it's not here or we're not, we haven't come to this place, this field in Alton, in Hampshire, just to meet up with relatives, relations. We're actually here to reignite and to reinforce that iman, that faith that we have in us, uh, and to, if not, further develop our spirituality. Uh, yeah, I, I think you are so right. So, you know, in, in the true accent of an island, an person, Irish, an Irish, Irish accent, would you like to say some parting words? Yeah. Uh, for having me. Uh, I mean, as we would say, cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks. 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 And that's yeah. a Chinese guy trying to make an Irish accent. <laughs> Terrible. Anyway. <laughs> no, that, that's much. wonderful. No, thank you very much. Uh, and we'll be joining with our next guest. Yeah. And here's a, a, sh- a short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be on him.
Our paradise is in our God. Our highest delight is in our God, for we have seen him and have found every beauty in him. This wealth is worth procuring, though one may have to lay down one's life to procure it. This ruby is worth purchasing, though one may have to lose one's self to acquire it. O ye who are bereft, run to this fountain and it will satiate your thirst. It is the fountain of life that will save you. What shall I do? And by what drum shall I make the announcement that this is your God, so that people might hear? What remedy shall I apply to their ears, so that they should listen? If you belong to Allah, rest assured that Allah will indeed belong to you. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Aslam Alaikum and welcome back for that short break. It was lovely to be able to speak with our two guests from Dublin, Atar Rahman, who is the Murabi there, and obviously Arsalan Muslim Malik. And the accents are just lovely. But yeah, now we've gone to from be sure. Dublin to be sure. Thanks, 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 thanks a lot, to be sure. So from there, we'd like to go all the way over to Indonesia. We'll yep. be speaking with our next guest, Fazle Umar Farooq. So just before that, I wanted to just touch on the work and service because yeah. the cycle ride that they were referring to, you're right, they were raising money for three charities, mm-hmm. weren't they? And, and, and obviously they collected an additional £20 in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the major ethos of, of this community. Yeah, I mean, if we look historically at the community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has achieved significant milestones and made remarkable contributions to society globally, worldwide. Yeah. Now, founded in 1889 by Mirza Gulam uh, Ahmad, may Allah uh, be pleased with him. The community has consistently emphasized the message of peace, love, and service to humanity. One of the community's notable achievements is its dedication to education. The Ahmadiyya Muslims operate numerous schools, colleges, and universities globally, providing quality education to thousands of students, regardless of their background. These institutions foster academic excellence whilst promoting moral and moral and spiritual values. Now, another remarkable uh, achievement is that the community's extensive uh, humanitarian work. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community is at the forefront of disaster relief efforts. I mean, we've seen that recently in Turkey and then in Pakistan. Uh, efforts, uh, res- uh, these relief efforts responding promptly to any natural com- uh, calamities or conflicts uh, around the world. Uh, they provide food, shelter, medical aid to those in need. Uh, promoting interfaith dialogue is also a key accomplishment. The community actively engages in various outreach programs, conferences and seminars to build bridges of understanding among different religious communities, promoting mutual respect and harmony. Furthermore, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community advocates for human rights and social justice, championing the cause of oppressed and marginalized communities worldwide. In addition to its global humanitarian efforts, the community has garnered recognition for its commitment to peace, uh, and in, as uh, with this in respect, 
The annual Peace Symposium and Peace Conference organised by the community facilitates discussions on achieving global harmony and the resolution of conflicts. I mean, if you look at all the amazing achievements in, in education, in humanitarian work and interfaith dialogue, and this massive advocacy of peace... I mean, we see our communities spreading all over the world in over 200 countries. It's just expanding internationally. But today, we've had our guests from Dublin, and now we're going to be speaking to Fazlia Umar Farooq, all the way from Indonesia. Uh, Farooq Saab, thank you very much for joining us today. It's actually an honour for you. you to be with us today. Mm. Yes, I'm I was humbled to be within the no, it's an honor for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an honor for us to have because you know yeah, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's, it's so far away, Indonesia. I mean, to start off with, now, how does uh, our community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, you know, contribute? Because you're based in uh, uh, yes, Jakarta, yes. right? So, how does it um, contribute uh, to Indonesia's efforts in promoting interfaith dialogue and harmony? Because you told me earlier on that uh, Indonesia is, I suppose. Uh, predominantly Muslim. Yes, as you we we can we know that Indonesia is a, a largest Muslim country by population, mm. and Indonesia is, itself is consists of many islands. And yes, Ahmadis in Indonesia we promote dialogues, and as we know from it's a very humble beginning of the Ahmadiyya in Indonesia, even. Um, Murabi, who came uh, from from India, that uh, Kadian, mm-hmm. uh, once upon a time, they even engage in public debates and mm-hmm. give lectures. So, in its very beginning, Indonesia, uh, many intellectuals and they accept Ahmadiyat mm-hmm. in its very beginning. And as as the time goes by, nowadays. Uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat in Indonesia uh, have its own strong presence in the humanitarian aid mm. and humanitarian works. One thing worth mentioning is Ahmadiyya Muslim community is the the only Islamic organization in Indonesia who are honored to be the biggest eye donation. Mm-hmm. You know, I donor, I donor in in Indonesia, in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. and even what is sorry for what is yes. exactly an I donor then? Yes, we 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 donate our eye. Oh, eye, yeah, okay. our eyes, right? In uh, our to to those who who blind, and then and then they could see, mm-hmm. and then after that, wow. Oh, sorry, I'm just looking yes, yes. at Dalai uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. That, that, and, 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 and our Jamaat, uh, the Ahmadiyya community, is, is renowned for that actual sacrifice. Yes, we are renowned by that, uh, that actual sacrifice and then not only ice donation but also blood donation too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. we have uh, one Jamaat where there are a lot of uh, Ahmadis live there and we can say that there are quite a large number of uh, blood donors there and we we held it regularly on regular basis if mm. in, on regular basis even within one year we can uh, held up to 3 to 4 uh, blood drive mm-hmm. there so is is the yes. uh, uh, the muslim community is it uh, predominantly located in java because from my memory indonesia 
is a country made of 17,000 islands. Yes, made from 70,000 islands yeah, a year. Right, 17,000 <laughs> yes. you know, islands. But obviously they're not all inhabitable, but you have larger ones. So Java being the largest. So is that where predominantly you know, the, 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 the community is, or are you spread across into Sumatra, Flores, East Timor? Yes. Mainly our Ahmadis is within the island of Java. Okay. Because as we know, that's 60% of uh, its population is in Java Island. But one thing that was mentioning is, is that the Murabi from Kadian who came first to Indonesia, yeah. uh, they stayed in uh, Sumatra, actually, Sumatra, Sumatra. Island. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then from Sumatra, he traveled all the way to uh, Java Island. Mm-hmm. That must have been a yes. hell of a journey because, you, I mean, A, it would have been by ferry, right? Yeah. So when, when did the first Murabi arrive in Sumatra? Yeah, his name was Maulana Rahmat Ali. Mm-hmm. And his father was the first Musi in, uh, in Ahmadiyya, okay. in, in Jamaat Ahmadiyya. And uh, I saw it cut by in Kadian too. And uh-huh. yes, Maulana Rahmat Ali is was a very actually he was a teacher right. in 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 Kadian, in Talimul Islam High School, and that's why his uh, uh, humble presence there bring a lot of local population to become Ahmadi, mm-hmm. and and that's why we can see that. Ahmadi around the world is not only Pakistani, but also there are ample of Ahmadis uh, from Indonesian too. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I think, Hanif, that's just really, um, and something occurs to me, it's something when I first came into the community as well, or in, in terms of Islam. And uh, I think someone said to me, actually it was during a Jalsa, that it doesn't matter what you say, and how you say it. But actually, what reflects as an Amdi Muslim is that you actually just uh, bear out your actions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know what you're describing, both of you? I, yes, you, yes. you see it played out here at Jalsa Salana. When you walk out and you, during the break time, when we're not listening to the address of His Holiness, mm-hmm. you yes. see everyone from all over the world. And the way they all believe in the same thing, the five pillars of Islam, mm-hmm. they believe uh, in the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We're all Ahmadi Muslims, we believe in the promised Messiah, and all, all, all of the articles of faith. But you see them dressed differently. You mm-hmm. see the way they wear their hats are different. Mm-hmm. You see the color of their clothes are so different. Yes. The way they greet another is mm-hmm. so different. But this is the beauty of Islam being so international all over the mm-hmm. world. But the core beliefs are the same. Yeah. It doesn't yes. matter. Promoting peace, love and harmony between one another. Yes. The the community, wherever it is around the world, serving humanity to solve all the, the challenges mm. that, that are there. And one of the beautiful ones you've described, the first missionary in Indonesia, who was a teacher and mm. taught and, and educated. And now from there, you've got people from Indonesia. So are, there, are there any other major challenges that you experience in Indonesia? Yeah, there are still lots of challenges we face in Indonesia. Actually, um, we, uh, to, to be honest, in the Jamaat Ahmadiyya in Indonesia face certain challenges and even hostility in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But as uh, as you know, that the population is, population of Muslim of in Indonesia is uh, 
20, uh, 85%. Not right. like Pakistan, it is up to 97%. But 85% so, is quite high, yeah, right? it's yeah. quite high. There are certain areas and mm-hmm. provinces in Indonesia where uh, even Hindus is majority mm-hmm. there, like Bali Island. Yeah. And we have strong presence there too. Mm-hmm. And yes. So know, how, yeah. how, say for instance in Bali Island, in Bali, um, you said there's a strong Hindu presence there. I've seen it myself. Yes. There's quite a big Buddhist presence there yeah, as well. Buddhist presence uh, there. Buddhism. Um, so how do you promote interfaith dialogue then? Yes, we regularly uh, held a peace conference, of mm-hmm. course, as uh, what His Holiness uh, taught to us, his followers. And then uh, from this very way, we could uh, promote uh, justice, peace, and to, as you know, to reinstitute, uh, uh, human, reinstitute moral values. Mm-hmm. And this is what our belief that only by the means of uh, spiritual successorship that we can uphold the true values of Islam. And that's why I, I'm quite fortunate to, be, to become a missionary. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I have a, a great opportunity to serve in this uh, jama'at as a life devotee. Mm. So yes. you know, you're, you're serving as a life devotee in, uh, in Jakarta. Um, what are some final thoughts here? Yeah. What was your biggest challenge? Let's my yeah, yeah, to be honest, my biggest challenge is is to to bring people together mm-hmm. to his own creature, to to, to his creature, to his because creature. Uh, nowadays there are so many distractions, as you know, mm-hmm. and people turn away from his creature. It, that is our a core, uh, you name you, uh, I mean this. One biggest challenge for for me as a life devotee to bring mankind uh, towards his creator. Mm. Yes. Mm. No, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Farouk. And yes. you know, I, I think that pretty much emphasizes what we're doing here today, or what us all us Amdi Muslims here at Joseph Salana is. Although it's in a sense preaching to the to the converted. Yes. We know of our Creator. We know that we have to worship our Creator, and second only to uh, worshiping His creation. So, you know, let's uh, call out, have a big call out for prayers to help you in your mission out in Indonesia to, to actually well, spread the message of Ahmadiyat Islam to to Indonesia far and wide. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The Holy Quran states. Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. An-Nur is that being through whose light a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent 
and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God in order to give an understanding of this light. God sends His chosen people who spread the nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man, whose highest and loftiest and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the Chief of the Prophets, the Chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the Chosen One. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with nur, that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago. He also granted him the station to spread this nur. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. It is a way of God that when He adorns someone with nur, He manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God stay hidden?
Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to all our listeners out there. Welcome to the special edition of the uh, Drive Time Show uh, at Jolsa's Special. So I've got in the studio with me now uh, Imam Safir, Imam uh, Naveed Mangla, and Imam Aslan Warach. Warach, yes. Warach. Okay, I thought I thought Safir would have my back there, but he he left me hanging there. I wanted to see how you would do that. Oh, thank you very badly. So we've we've already actually had. Uh, Marabis or uh, our missionaries mm. uh, from Ireland, our missionary from Indonesia. So now we're looking at South America. So you know, starting off with uh, uh, Imam Navid, you were you are currently in Canada, but you originally in Belize, correct? Right, right. About nine years ago, yeah. um, I, I graduated from the from the first badge of Jama in Canada. All right. So after serving about a year or so. Our missionary Charsab called me and said that you're going to a country um, called Belize. Right. And my first question were, was that, where is this country? <laughs> I've never okay. heard of it. What so did you so say? Small. Please. Please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I said, yes, um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm all ready to go. So um, this was back in 20, 2014. And um, before going there, we had around five or six um, Ahmadis. And now fast forward to to, to nine years, mm-hmm. um, we are um, uh, where we have uh, our own headquarters, our own purpose-built masjid okay. by the grace of God. Uh, we have two mission houses mm-hmm. and uh, we had four missionaries that were working there at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the grace of God, we have run more than 200 Ahmadi Muslims. And our new president, uh, Mishni Charasab, is sitting here. He can give you more, you know, mm-hmm. further details. But um, by the grace of God, I've seen in the last nine years that 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 promise of God through to the promise Messiah, that I shall cause your message to reach the corners of the yes, earth. Man. I've seen it with my own eyes that how mm-hmm. God just makes that happen. So, you know, what what comes to my mind is like Belize must be predominantly Christian. Yes, correct. Yes, and uh, Christian from the Catholic. Denomination, I would right. have thought, right, right. I guess. So, what was your biggest challenge to you know, promote the the message of Ahmadiyya Islam to Catholics? So, when I <clears throat> when I used to wear wear my hat, right, the typical, uh, you know, the Muslim hat. Yeah. Um, that you're the, wearing right now, uh, out in the public, um, they would they would call me Taliban, and they would call me terrorist because this these were the days when. Uh, by the way, it's South America, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Belize, is highly influenced by by the U.S. Yes. Mm-hmm. So all their the, all their uh, knowledge of uh, current affairs is based on CNN and, and Fox News. Right. And those days, um, there were many terrorism attacks that were happening, yeah. right? Yeah. So for them to relate me with a terrorist was was you know was was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it wasn't it wasn't yeah. a, a step too far, really. Yes, yes. In their knowledge. So so um so instead of defending myself every time. I thought that we have to um, introduce Jamaat where 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 they have to understand that Islam is just it's not just just a, just a literature alone. There's there's more to the religion mm-hmm. itself, which as we even mentioned today, that the main two things are, are the rights of God and the rights of human beings. Mm-hmm. So so that's why we started doing uh, humanitarian services. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that was something that opened the doors for us to, mm-hmm. to, to talk to these people and so they can relate to us that they, these people are just normal human beings mm-hmm. just like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, obviously as you mentioned that you had to take a different approach yeah. uh, to, to get the message to them. And I think that we were, just before we came in, we were sitting in the marquee discussing, you know, that different approach that, mm-hmm. you know, the Belize Jawa took. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, amazing, you know, <laughs> 
um, basketball uh, league that you started. I, th- I think Robisau can give you more details about them. Right. So, yeah. so you had like an NBA kind of thing yeah. happening. Yeah. So, uh, I've noticed you're quite big, right? So <laughs> I reckon you could be a guard. <laughs> so we like to believe it's a little bit bigger than the NBA, but... <laughs> really? Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, oh. Um, one day, inshallah. Inshallah, one day. Inshallah. So you see that the, the, the help of God in, in miraculous ways and... and Truly, we're, we're so humbled by the, the ability that God has given that we are just mere pylons, right? Mm-hmm. That God is, this is God's work that God is doing. And, mm-hmm. and then we see this as well, that when Brother Naveed was there and he was doing a tremendous job, it, it, it's been so smooth because it wasn't Brother Naveed who was doing it. It was God who was getting yeah. the work done, right? And now if it's me or tomorrow, if it's somebody else, it's the work of God. And you see this all around the world, right? And You're just a different driver in, in, that, in that, a nice car. That's it. That's it. <laughs> So, um, by the grace of God, when they initially started this this league, there was about seven or eighteen, uh, sorry, twelve teams that started this league, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Brother Navid was just mentioning this right now as well that they started with twelve, and we ended with seven. Like you know, some teams dropped out right, right in the beginning as well. And now, by the grace of God, we have the biggest basketball league in the whole country. Really? Wow. And, and that, Seriously? That, and that's, that's about, mashallah, about 60 teams that are playing wow. in our basketball league. Teams that, that fly into the, uh, to the country to play. So from the islands, they, they come uh-huh. to play. Um, we have teams from all around. And but th- this is not a professional league, right? So it's it's a, like a semi-professional, what is it? Yeah, Just so it, uh, the, it's an amateur amateur yeah. league, we, mm-hmm. we would say. We wouldn't call it semi-pro. But mm-hmm. a lot of the players that are playing in our league are also, they develop their skills in order to go into playing wow. semi-pro. Mm. Right? We have a lot of players that, that play semi-pro in our league. We have a, a restriction where you can only have two players that are semi-pro that can play on a team. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, the players that are playing semi-pro have gone through our league. Mm. Yeah, they, so so it, okay. you can kind of consider it a development league. Yeah. And it's like ha- a feeder. Yeah, exactly. Feeder league, right? And, and we have um, five different age categories. So the U12, U15, U18, U22, and then an open category as well. The, the, the key in this, and then through this, we're, we're not using this as a platform to, you know, sway people into joining Islam or anything. You know, and we, we take pride in this because the Hikuk al-Ibad part, like, like Rabbi Saab mentioned, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the key. That even Hazur said today that, that this is the harder part, you know, that we can all go and we can pray, but, you know, actually loving something for your brother the way you'd love it for yourself yeah. is very mm. tough. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is something that we've seen has been very successful, that people who are getting neglected all the time, mm. right? Who are um, looked ba- like you know looked down upon because they're involved in drugs or alcohol, you know. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, Ka- um, Belize has the fourth biggest um, uh, murder rate per capita in the world. Wow. Wow. And while I was there, I've seen at least ten or eleven uh, youth that I personally knew mm-hmm. who, who were shot and killed in one way or the other. So this is a very serious uh, thing there. Yeah. You wow. know. So when we take care of these children, mm-hmm. right? Um, the parents are so grateful, mm. you know, and then the kids remember this started out 10 years ago So these kids that have been with us who started maybe when they were 15 16 now they're maybe, 25 they, 26 Maybe years they were old. gang members and stuff like that, right? Exactly, right? So we, we told and then you know the, the the country's divided into into either two different gangs or, or politically they're 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 divided too okay. but this league allows all of them to be united just like mm-hmm. exactly what Islam is yeah. right you know so when they come and and see that that no one's uh, judging us because of you know who we are yeah, which, where you we, come which from. race we belong yeah. to because you have Spanish people there mm-hmm. you have the the Creole people mm-hmm. that this is you know exactly what our religion teaches they love it there ah. yeah. so I mean how have you found that in terms of 
translating to you know bringing Islam actually to the forefront. So no. I know even in the words of uh, Khalifa Rabi, yeah. uh, the fourth Khalifa, is that you don't do tablik, you don't preach yeah. straight off the bat. Right. Uh, it, it, t- it tends to turn people off, not turn people off, but you have your heckles up, right? You're like, mm. oh, this is going to be the same old, same old, Yeah, right? exactly, because yeah. a lot of churches are already doing that. No, exactly. Yeah, so, right. so, you know, is, is there, you know, Aslan, is there this new, with this, like, this NBA-style approach, <laughs> how have you been able to kind of, like, use that as a stepping stone for really proactive so, so this is this is exactly what we're saying that that we don't use this league at all to to do the bleed right okay but what happens is is that there's a trust mm-hmm. you know when you see someone is doing something genuinely for you when that person needs something or when that person is in any sort of trouble you know when when the, when these youth you know something happens mm-hmm. they know that there's someone that's going to listen to me without judging me there's right. going to be someone that's there that has my back mm-hmm. you know there's someone that cares for me and then even if they're a Christian or if they're, you know, if they're atheist or whatever, they know that they can come to Ahmadiyya and we're mm-hmm. going, going to help them as best as we can, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that, that, I think that's, that's the key because we don't, we don't and, and we make sure that we di- like, have this distinction that if we, if we wanted mm-hmm. to use this as the league, you see other people doing other things. And like you just mentioned that. that it's, it's almost, I mean, in terms of religion, yes, it's religion, but it's a political use of religion, right? Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I'm doing this, but what can I get in return? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people they they unpick it up as well. People yeah. understand that this is yeah, you're being people aren't into stupid, right? Yeah, people, yeah. people aren't exactly. Aren't dumb right that away, way. Yeah. I mean, something that uh, yeah, I had p- p- pleasure of speaking to uh, our Imam from Indonesia, uh, Imam Farouk, and these two actually something that he said, and you two are saying exactly the same. You're mirroring the, exactly the same message that he gave me was that the uh, on the ground the perception of our community uh, Ahmadiyyat, Islam Ahmadiyyat globally is the same it's a uniform message and that one uniform message can only come from Ahmadiyyat and I'll tell you why and you guys should know because you should be telling me right <laughs> one, one because we only have one leader right yeah yeah if we were some other sect, mm-hmm. we would have diverse voices telling you, mm-hmm. you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But that's the one underlying thing that I've just picked up from just speaking to you guys just now, previously with uh, Imam Farouk. But, but, that, but I want to mention this, that the reason why this, all, the whole league came into being was because of Hazrat Khalif the Masih. Wow. Right? Because imagine this, that a new graduate from Canada goes to a country and he says, Hazrat, we want to start a basketball league. Right. So instead of saying that, you know, you're, you're, you're crazy. I sent you for the league and you want basketball. <laughs> right. Hazur said that, okay. go ahead. Right. And, and whatever money that's required, uh, Murkas will, will support. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that was huge. That was mm-hmm. needed at that time. No mm-hmm. one was, no one was, was believing. No one, no one had faith in this idea mm-hmm. that is possible. Mm-hmm. Only Hazur Khalifa al-Masih did. So now the people say, MashaAllah, Marabas, amazing job. No, it's not, it's not me. It's mm-hmm. not us. It was, it was Hazrat Khalifa the Masih that had that vision that mm-hmm. go ahead and, and try it out. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're very much great. Amazing. We're sitting here today because of our, our beloved Hazur. So have you found, okay, that you're not using uh, this basketball as a vehicle for preaching, but subsequently you must have had people come who are interested, who are non-believers, not Ahmadiyya Muslims come to your, you know, knocking on your door and say, look, you know what, 
we're so impressed or we feel we're not even kind of you know on face value right yeah. we see what you guys so, are about so we want we're much so, more so interested. Two, two, two benefits right yeah number one is that the people that were questioning your 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 intent right um they have they have changed their their their, their mind of thought mm-hmm. right um people that would stop their children parents that would stop their children from going to a muslim event you know kids used to tell me i cannot come brother navid because my mom is saying this is no good yeah, yeah. muslims mm-hmm. are no good same mothers are now are begging us to take the kids mm-hmm. in their in the team or when we have our our national team to go play in mexico or us they beg us please 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 take my kids mm-hmm. so that thing is has changed yeah. and secondly um we don't use this as a tool of the league but when other people are watching and are seeing that a religious community is doing this for so many years right there's something special about this jamaat that want to know mm-hmm. so many people have indirectly found out about jamaat mm-hmm. and have joined us because of not just this uh, initiative alone but all mm-hmm. the other events that jamaat is doing Absolutely. because as 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 hazura said that hakukul ibad is very important mm-hmm. and in the, these small countries you cannot just do tabligh alone mm-hmm. because it, it, sometimes they say that you know for the for the sake of argument even if you If, if we believe you that Hazrat Musaim Adalasatulam was was a true prophet and 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 what not, but the the fact of the matter is that we still have these issues. We need you to well, help us to resolve these yeah. issues. I mean, right? we, we are very blessed to be here having Jalsa Salana in Hadikat Al Madi, right in Alton. We're in a developed country here. We can go. Uh, okay, we've got water in surplus currently. Wish we didn't have so much water, but we can go to a toilet, turn on a tap. We're going to get yeah. fresh water. Yeah. You come from places where is a developed or developing country, right? Yeah. Whereby you have uh, neighborhoods, you have people who are living subsistence lifestyles, right? And um, I, d- I don't mean to denigrate that because that is life, right? We're all blessed with our wherever we've been born. So to be And, and I understand that from a more simplistic way of viewing life, it's making ends meet. Right. Look, you know what? I might not really be interested in religion because I don't have the time. I need to. I've got a family of five. Mm. I need to feed them, right? Basically, I need to get a good yes. job, right? But when they see, and I, I, I can totally uh, empathize with this. When they see kind of like a body of people yeah. who are actually, you know what? We we empathize with you, right? We see your plight. and we reach out to you then that can only be a massive plus for the community as a whole and islam yeah. and progressing the message of islam yeah. yeah so so either people have joined us or they have a lot of empathy for us mm-hmm. or you know sympathy for for muslims in general that these people are good people mm-hmm. right and when the time comes inshallah they inshallah. will join us right yeah. as you yeah. said yeah. as yeah. as as you said when you came to belize what their perception about islam yeah. was that they would call you terrorist uh, that was yeah. because I've been of been called that. taliban yeah. you know yeah. even if that changed <laughs> i am called taliban <laughs> <laughs> that will change too inshallah exactly right? that, ch- changing that in itself is is i think yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's a miracle and i think you know uh, his holiness always has these analogies of uh, i i always find my mind goes to his analogies of um, being a farmer crop you know crops and stuff like that and it's like with any I, I, I'm not a farmer. I don't. I don't you know, think of being a farmer. But I can think of that farming analogy because, although that field of Belize, right, uh, was fallow, and in fact not even fallow, it was mostly kind of like poisoned, right, yeah. with this 
you know, the states uh, in the United States, their message is like, oh, all Muslims are terrorists, are terrorists right? Yes. So you're actually starting behind the eight ball. Yeah. So now, in your nine years there, uh, uh, Naveed, Imam Naveed, you've taken that a notch, a couple of notches up, and then now you've div- you've given a field which was fallow. You've put nutrients in there, and inshallah, with you know the prayers of His Holiness, I'm sure you know there's going to be a lot of fruit coming out of there. Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. inshallah. Okay, Jazakallah uh, gentlemen, we're going to go for uh, a break, uh, we'll bring you uh, some more guests after the break, uh, stay tuned to Voice of Islam radio station. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings to all our listeners out there, welcome back to Friday's Drive Time special, uh, our Jolsa special, so this is live from uh, Hidika Dumadi uh, in Alton. Uh, Hampshire. So we've been looking at the progress of uh, Islam Ahmadiyat, uh, not just in this country, but globally. And uh, we've, 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 we've traveled from Ireland, Ireland to Indonesia, to South America, or I would say more Central America, Belize. But now we're going to the continent of Africa. Uh, I have with me uh, Emir uh, of Niger, uh, Asad uh, Mujib, and uh, Hamid Al-Gahib, Correct me if I'm wrong, though. <laughs> who is the former Prime Minister of Niger. And so we're going to talk about, you know, I mean, you just, just astounded me already there, uh, Imam said about the political situation, right? I mean, how does that uh, impact with, you know, the, 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 the situation of uh, our community in Niger currently? So, of course, whenever something like this happens in one country, it's very difficult for carry on the activity of mm-hmm. religious activities mm-hmm. uh, so it impacts uh, on the activities of the Ahmadiyya and Jamaat also in Niger so uh, the coup happened just yesterday right. so there are a lot of uncertainties mm-hmm. and also in Niger we face many a terrorist attack uh, mm-hmm. in the area that we call in the area of Trois Frontières mm-hmm. the border Three of uh, Burkina Faso and mm-hmm. Mali so we have already this problem and then the other side we have the problem with uh, the border of Chad and also the, with the border of um, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So we have already many problems with uh, terrorist issues and now uh, the military will be focused um, uh, with the government uh, mm-hmm. forming the new government. So we, f- we fear that um, the terrorism will increase. So it will impact the big gatherings of mm-hmm. Jamaat there. So we are now just uh, following very closely what is happening there. Mm-hmm. So, And for now being we have uh, postponed all of our activities. We normally uh, plan to watch Jalsa Salana in mm-hmm. big, big gatherings there uh, in all our regional centers. And we had this plan to watch MTA and, Hazur, uh, and watch Hazur's speeches and sermons. But unfortunately, what happened mm-hmm. yesterday, we have to postpone okay. all these big gatherings. Um, I mean, if we go t- take a step back, because uh, yeah, I, I've, I hold my hands up. I wasn't aware that there was a coup. Is this coup in Niger, is it, um, who is actually trying to overthrow the government currently? Then Is it a, mil- is it a military coup or is it factions within uh, the parliament who are overthrowing the, the ones who are in power currently? So it is a military coup okay. and uh, more specifically it is the 
uh, unit of uh, presidential guard, mm-hmm. the chief of the uh, presidential guard who did uh, this coup. But uh, the latest news is that uh, all the other military units, uh, they are in the same rank uh, and in the same uh, alignment with the other, this unit. So right. now it's uh, the whole uh, military who is uh, on one stand and mm-hmm. it's basically a military coup. Right, okay. So, I mean, previously, uh, what was the governance of Niger then? Was it a democratically elected uh, party there? Yes. In in control? So, since 2010, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there is a a democratical government there. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2020, we had the the latest uh, elections and the new president was elected. Uh, so all was going through democracy mm-hmm. and uh, the the scrutiny were very fair and um, but in the history of Niger we have already seen four uh, uh, coup oh, okay. uh, since the independence right so it is not something new in mm-hmm. in this country so when you say I mean yeah we're here in the UK we've never had a coup I mean the only coup I can think of was back in the time of uh, Cromwell, right? When, you know, you had parliament, you had the, uh, the public members and the lords, right? So they were fighting. In terms of, you know, Niger then, I mean, how, how do these coups rectify themselves? Is it just a period of time where, you know, you do have this turmoil and then it just all quiets down and, you know, you, you still have one power in this, t- in this uh, time, it's the military. Yeah, this military junta, you could call it, who are in control. So will they just influence, will they basically um, solidify their, their base and control, I suppose, the infrastructure, yeah, the roads, the, the power, the energy? And then everyone will just say, look, you know, you are the guys in control. And then they elect their new prime minister. Is that how it goes? Um, before going to answer this question, I would like to say that uh, you know, in that area of uh, in the neighborhood, in uh, in Chad, in uh, Burkina Faso, in Mali, in Guinea, uh, a few months back they had also seen uh, some coups. So, uh, <laughs> so in it's, the, it's quite it's quite yes. Uh, all our neighboring countries, um, except of um, Benin and Nigeria. Uh, all other French countries in the Sahel, they have seen coups and there there are mm-hmm. military who is uh, uh, working and who is uh, uh, taking care of the government there. Mm-hmm. So it is not something new in right. that region. And also that uh, all uh, French and European and American army who were placed in Mali, Burkina and elsewhere, they all came in uh, Niger right. when they were coup there. Uh, so this is the political situation in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what happens when the uh, military uh, came into uh, comes into power? They they will uh, assign a president of transition. Mm-hmm. So uh, the general who did I think the coup will be the president of uh, transition, and they will uh, select uh, let's say twenty four months or thirty six months of this transition period and they will nominate some general or also maybe some civils Mm -hmm. 
in um, uh, in the ministerial posts mm -hmm. but the directors of uh, in all ministries and the general secretaries of all ministries they remain oh okay so it's like the civil service who keep the country running they stay the same yes. it's just that the managers or the heads yes. of those departments will change yes and um, the manager or the ministers will be the some of uh, yeah. army officials and also if they want to some of uh, civils also mm. so have you sought uh, his holiness uh, mr masra ahmed's guidance regarding uh, you know regarding this coup then yeah how should the jamaat um, not just kind of like with the propagation of the uh, you know the, the the word of islam in niger but obviously how how, how should the jamaat be acting now currently so as I said, uh, it happened uh, one or two days ago, <laughs> and I've written to His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed about what happened, and he has also his press secretary who is uh, informing him, and he is also watching uh, all news and what is happening in the world. But uh, as Jalsa is happening, also yeah. you know, I didn't, he didn't have much time to mm -hmm. uh, to answer my letter. Mm -hmm. But in few days after the Jalsa or, or tomorrow, we we have a, uh, the chance to have a mulakat with, him, with him, with the former prime minister. Mm -hmm. So uh, I am hoping that at that moment he will mm. uh, guide me about mm. uh, how to um, face uh, mm. this time in Nigeria. I mean, if we, if we look prior to the coup, right? You know, the, what is the current um, you know, the, you know, the the current state? Of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, is it healthy in in Niger? It's very healthy. Ah. So we have uh, uh, the Jamaat uh, in all regions, mm -hmm. uh, and we not only uh, the Jamaat uh, is doing the tablir, uh, the preaching and the education, but we have also schools, mm -hmm. hospitals, and many humanitarian work we are doing there. Uh, uh, only last year we have rehabilitated hundred water pumps wow so jamaat is very very active uh, in niger mm -hmm. although we are registered the jamaat is registered in niger since 2000 it's only 23 years it's a new jamaat mm -hmm. but uh, uh, jamaat has spread very rapidly and um, all over the country mm -hmm. uh, very very fastly there mm. so jamaat is uh, present uh, in all in the whole country mm. so in those 23 years what has been um, the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome whether it be secular or religious then in the promotion of Ahmadiyya Islam so the hurdle are the situation of the country in terms of development mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge country mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the infrastructures are not very good Although it's uh, it's going it's becoming better and better day by day, but still it's a huge country. So to uh, to propagate the message of Islam and the it's a uh, really big task mm -hmm. to uh, to go and to preach in those areas where we don't have. Uh, but then, uh, Asad, uh, Imam Asad, don't you feel that that's almost like you are have an affinity to His Holiness, the Promised Messiah? Then? It's preaching, basically, yeah, on on a bicycle, for want of another. It's like you know, you are uh, how how shall I say it? You have that quintessential element of going back in time, almost, right? And you know, progressing the the message and promoting the message of Islam. 
Of course, uh, you know, we have, my parents had uh, dedicated my life for the um, propagating for the propagating of the message of Ahmadiyat. Mm-hmm. So it's an honor no, mm-hmm. to serve there and um, to propagate the message of um, Jamaat. And you know, although the infrastructure is not good, the roads are not good, but when you arrive on in those villages and people listen to the message. And it's very heartwarming to mm. see people who have not seen Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, or they have never seen any other member of Jamaat. But in few years, uh, the uh, the love they develop for the Jamaat, it's mm-hmm. only God who put this love into their heart. And mm-hmm. we see the fulfillment of the prophecies of prophecies. the promised Messiah, alayhi mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. We can only see this if we go there. I cannot describe mm. in the words mm. uh, what no, is I think, the feeling. I think you give us here, you know, through the medium of radio, that feeling of of how that message um, has reached you know, your area of the world. So, you know, thank you very much for that. Uh, I suppose you know where we are uh, as a community, uh, how it's developed, how it's progressed uh, in Niger. Now we're going to jump to Ghana. I'm joined by. Uh, Imam Alim. So obviously, with our current uh, His Holiness Mizr Masra Ahmed, uh, may mm. Allah be his uh, helper or strengthen his hand. He has a special attachment to Ghana, anyway, right? Mm. Yes, yes. So you know, he has a special you know uh, area in his heart for Ghana. So you know, obviously, the development of the the the, the, the Jamaat, it's already got a foothold in Ghana. Tell us now uh, here at Jolsa, you know, how that has in the time that uh, His Holiness was there, uh, before uh, being elevated to the role of Hazur, to present day. Yes, of course, uh, uh, you, need to, you, you want to know the situation that during his time when he was there, yeah. exactly <clears throat> uh, those days, the time was very tough. When Hadar Mirza Masrur Ahmed Sahib, Hadar Khalifa Masih, the fifth Aidar Dara Minister Aziz was there, and uh, it was it was so that uh, that the means of transportation, like my brother was mentioning about Niger mm-hmm. or Niger, mm-hmm. is the same in some parts of the country, mm-hmm. especially uh, when Huzu was in the north. You know, when you look at the geographical map of of Ghana, you can see that in the south you have uh, more maybe facilities mm-hmm. available infrastructure is totally different mm-hmm. and the development is there but when you go to the north or even in the southern part some interiors mm-hmm. that the, the the means are not good and mm-hmm. the infrastructure is not very good even the the communication and other things but when you go to the north then it is it is worst it's almost non-existent yes so so you can imagine that if even today it is not very good then what would be the situation oh, back okay. in the 80s, late the 80s. 80s, when uh, early 80s, when Hadar Khalifa Masih was there, Hadar Mirza Masih was there. Mm. Anyway, I, I also had experienced some of the things that uh, Huzur mentions in some of his meetings, mm-hmm. the, the, the transportation and the, the some uh, very poor cars mm-hmm. that he travels you know there is one <laughs> but uh, why why is it right okay up. why is it the peugeot 507 come again right? the peugeot 507 
seems to be the. I mean, it, it seems to be everywhere in Africa, right? I have relatives who uh, were in Kenya, yeah. uh, and every time you're like driving, you see nice cars, but it's actually the Peugeot 507, which seems to be the car for Africa, and it lasts forever and ever. Yeah, they, when I first went to Ghana in '98, Peugeot was very, very common, mm -hmm. but uh, it it became you know. Now Toyota. Yes, then it, <laughs> the Toyota overtook, and now you can see that the Hyundai is also yeah. taking over, mm -hmm. not taking over completely, but it is also uh, penetrating the market mm -hmm. in in Ghana. But those days, you know, Huzuri used to travel in the north mm -hmm. in one big truck, uh, which is called Bone Shaker. <laughs> I can only imagine what that. Yeah, means. Bone Shaker means that after having travelled a few miles in that mm -hmm. car you feel that all your bones have been shaken right so so, so you need a special you know it's a mobile massage <laughs> massage <laughs> okay. to, to settle down so that you know challenge of infrastructure and means of transportation even today mm -hmm. you have it right i cannot say that in whole africa mm. pockets of africa like especially capitals mm -hmm. they are they are better uh, Ghana's capital Accra and then the largest, second largest city Kumasi and then Takoradi and other cities. We have good infrastructure mm -hmm. and we have good means of transportation. But still, when you travel in, in the interior, the so, roads so do, are So do you find good. that with that lack of infrastructure, or, you know, to the more remote areas of Ghana, that it's harder to, you know, to, to, to convey the message of Islam? Yes, exactly. And uh, it is difficult to convey the message without some of those means of the transportation. But it does not mean that uh, we are not putting up efforts. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, I remember that uh, some a decade or two decades ago, you know, uh, Marcus provided us this, the center provided us some Toyota, you know, highest you know pickups, mm -hmm. and uh, within a few years we. The, those pickups helped a lot missionaries mm -hmm. to travel far far and wide but the challenge was that it is so difficult for you to, when you reach out in a certain village miles after miles rough road and uh, portholes mm -hmm. and you can even call them sometimes manholes and whatever <laughs> I remember that the Khalifatul Masih the fourth Rahimahullah Ta'ala in one of his uh, question answers he was just describing those uh, portholes of the uh, and the bad roads mm -hmm. and he said that those portholes you go to the from porthole to the manhole and from mm -hmm. manhole to the black hole <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so so when they reach out in one jamaat it mm -hmm. is very difficult for them mm -hmm. to to go to the same jamaat in in the very near future mm -hmm. So you will hardly visit one Jamaat, then you go to another, another. Sometimes it may take you a year right. or two mm -hmm. to go back to the same place where you okay. went. It's when we sit in, 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 a, in, a, in a developed country like, like UK mm -hmm. and you are sitting in, the London, in London, in the city of London, mm -hmm. when you tell someone that uh, I went to, I, uh, I traveled 20 kilometers mm -hmm. and I, it took me around three hours, right. then they, they say, oh, what kind of... I mean, journey did was that. Did you walk? Yes. Did, Why you, did walk? you walk? Did you walk? <laughs> so, okay. so what happens that in the uh, recently, uh, Jamaat is now you know providing missionaries motorbikes. Mm -hmm. So because some places it is difficult for a, a car mm -hmm. and the pickup to reach, but at least the motorbike can can 
can make some, you know. So, uh, so lean up. Develop. I mean, I've got in mind. Uh, you've given me a, a, a picture of how the missionaries go around different jamaas, different communities, and spread the message. How, when, say, for instance, the message has been given, how do those people who are, are, are living in those villages, uh, how do you maintain that message there? Yes, that is that is exactly. It's a, it's a very uh, you know. Yeah, there in, must be the challenge. Yes, right? there is a challenge. I must say that uh, there is a challenge, and we are trying our best to overcome it. Like uh, uh, under the guidance of Zakriya Dumasi, the fifth Ayatollah bin Aziz, you see, he said that you should also focus on one area, mm-hmm. and then make some teams, the preaching teams. So what we do is that we have the preaching teams and we also have the tarbiyat, the training teams. Mm-hmm. So after having conveyed the message of Islam in one place, so you have to uh, strategize in such a way that you, you must find a team mm-hmm. that will go there and stay for at least two months. Mm. So you have to, like this overlapping, yes, right? So okay. that so that they can sustain the message. Mm-hmm. So if we like try to preach maybe 20 places, mm-hmm. And then we only have one or two or three teams who are going to follow up with training. Mm-hmm. Then it means that we are most likely going to lose mm-hmm. the other 18 or 15 places. Mm-hmm. You don't lose completely because it happens with missionaries. But then I suppose your effort has been dissipated. Yes. It's like when you dilute juice, right? So because in some places, more water in some places uh, people really asked that question that mm-hmm. we once met your people. You came here, but where were you? You were mm-hmm. not coming. So they, they also don't know that why we were not coming. Right. But you can imagine that with our meager resources, mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough. It's mm-hmm. really tough to continue, you know, uh, having a constant contact with those people. Mm-hmm. But uh, with, the, with the new emerging missionaries, because now we have Jamia International where we train missionaries mm-hmm. in Ghana, and uh, missionaries are coming out year after year and then we also have another uh, training uh, training college where we are training the, the Mu'allimin, the other uh, type of missionaries mm-hmm. who are helping us to reach out those places. So mm-hmm. there is a progress you can say mm-hmm. even though it is it is uh, slower than expected mm-hmm. but still there is a progress there is mm-hmm. a progress. Yeah but I mean we, we can't yeah you can't move or we, we, I mean as, as a community um, and I'm sure you've seen from the early 80s when His Holiness was first in Ghana to present day, a massive uh, increase in the progress of the Jamaat anyway, Jamaat Ahmadiyya yeah. in Ghana. I mean, just my conversations with all, uh, with uh, Asad uh, from Niger, with the previous guests from Ireland, Indonesia, it shows me, I, I, I'm resident here in the UK, but it just shows me not just the... Actually, it is. It's the reach that the Jamaat now has globally. And it's not just that reach, but it's the actual, the magnitude of that reach. It's the depth of, of, of the message that has been conveyed. And I think that, once again, shows the, I suppose, the truth of the message that we preach. In that it's the, uh, upon His Holiness' foresight, I mean, you just said, okay, uh, His Holiness has asked you to concentrate, not to actually spread the message out too much in terms of tablik, and then to have just a few 
Terbiyat to reinforce that message or sustain, yeah, or sustain that message. But actually, let's concentrate in one area. Let's make sure that they, because I suppose it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because once you have that bedrock of uh, true believers in Ahmadiyat, they themselves become your mulami. Yes, they themselves become your preachers. Exactly. They themselves, exactly. You know. Uh, propagate that message on because it's like anything in life human nature is like say for instance you're my brothers if I've had something good there's a good restaurant I'll tell you about it yeah right yeah oh look you know you've got some good kebabs here or whatever you know uh, mushkaki right yes. uh, there's good mushkaki whatever you recommend it to your brothers and in terms of because we are here for Joseph Solana 2023 it's that spiritual side as well and that to cultivate uh, that basically that that that, uh, that torch we have that imam that we have within us and to reach out to and that's the beauty I think of Jolsa I'm not sure if you agree with me when you walk okay it's a bit muddy yeah but you know after you hear the speeches in Jolsagar of his holiness and the other keynote speeches and then you walk around and then you'll see someone that you haven't seen for years right but it doesn't really matter because you are all um, under the same banner, right? Yeah. This is the banner of Ahmadiyyat. And you have that affinity and it's, it's, a, it's a brotherhood which um, I think personally transgresses any, uh, transcends I should say, any boundaries, any uh, local boundaries. But uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to, to all my guests today. <laughs> Maybe a bit too much. <laughs> but uh, I should say bonsoir. <laughs> bonsoir. Uh, yeah, more than Okay, yeah. okay. So uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for coming into the studio today. And uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your time at Jolsa. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The Ahmadiyya Mission believes in and works for peace and has proved beyond all reasonable doubt that they are a peaceful Muslim group working for the unity of mankind in my country. I assure you of my government's continued support for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Mission in Sierra Leone and wish you a successful convention. May God continue to bless the efforts of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat in this country and worldwide. should be a welcome inspiration to us all. The central message of your faith, love for all, hatred for none, is a strong and inspiring message. We have to look at the bigger picture, and it is preserving the Muslim identity that is fighting against hate, radicalization, Islamophobia, and intolerance. That is showing what Islam really is, a religion of peace, respect, and wisdom. But we can only achieve this when we work together as a community if we build bridges amongst each other and between Muslims and non-Muslims. Don't waste your time. Dunya is short. Be aware of the fact that you are a role model for Islam. My countrymen, 
A religion which does not inculcate universal compassion is no religion at all. Similarly, a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human at all. Our God has never discriminated between one people and another. This is illustrated by the fact that all potentials and capabilities which have been granted to the Aryans have also been granted to the races inhabiting Arabia, Persia, Syria, China, Japan, Europe and America. The earth created by God provides a common floor for all people alike and his sun and moon and many stars are a source of radiance and provide many other benefits to all alike. Likewise, all peoples benefit from the elements created by him such as air, water, fire and earth and similarly from other produce created by him like grain, fruit and healing agents etc. These attributes of God teach us the lesson that we too should behave magnanimously and kindly towards our fellow human beings and should not be petty of heart and illiberal. The message of the Ahmadiyya community is a positive call for world harmony and liberty. It points beyond today's sufferings to tomorrow's hopes and dreams. Nonetheless, if we are to stand for these principles, to advocate for religious minorities in the Middle East. That bill passed, and it passed with the support of the Ahmadiyya community here. And lastly, to welcome His Holiness here and to thank the community and to thank you for the strong support the Ahmadiyya community has given to this, but also not only given to this special envoy bill, but has always been there. Every time there's a group advocating for human rights and religious freedom, the Ahmadiyya community has always been right. So lovely and welcoming and open you all are. <laughs> um, I'm really impressed that you're, I've come and I brought a headdress and everything to try and be really respectful to your culture and your beliefs, but it seems to me that you just, you're so welcoming and it doesn't matter, and everybody kept saying it doesn't matter, just be, and I just think that's so, you're so tolerant and so lovely, it's just, it's been amazing. <laughs> this overwhelming sense of hospitality and warmth, and it's something I'd heard about, I haven't been here very long, I was instituted and inducted as vicar a year and a half ago, and although I've met people from the community, it's my first chance to actually come here. And I'd heard about uh, the community, lots of good things. And I thought, yeah, OK, that's fine. But actually, I've been blown away by the hospitality, the warmth, the generosity. And what a wonderful place and what a wonderful chance for us to try and work together. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome back to Friday's Drive Time Special, Jolsa Special, live from the fields of Hadikatul Muddy. Actually, it's not that muddy. I'm, I'm just being a bit morose. It's dried it up. Is, it's dried. dried up now, actually. So all those... Uh, Amdis who are stuck in cars, please continue to come over here, right? Because, you know, it, it isn't that muddy. The fields are lovely. The uh, the brothers are welcoming. And uh, we're, we're actually today engaging on a global trip to see the progress of uh, Islam Ahmadiyyat 
worldwide. So we've been to Ireland, Belize, um, Niger, Ghana. Is that it? Yeah. I and, think uh, so far, right? Yeah, Niger, Ghana, Belize, Canada as well. Oh, Canada, right. Yeah. Okay, Canada, stroke Canada. So now we're going to become more eco, or sorry, eco, Euro, Eurocentric, right? Although we have said goodbye. I didn't want to say uh, Brexit goodbye to our brothers in, in Europe, but hey-ho. And that's another blessing of Amadiyat, right? Yeah. We, tra- we transcend Brexit because, you know, we have that brotherhood across all boundaries. And we are in the, or I have with me in the studio, uh, Imams, Imams, uh, Imam Yasir uh, Fawzi. I knew you were here yeah. for something, Safir. <laughs> Imam right. Yasir Fawzi from Norway. And Imam Ibrahim from the Netherlands. So let's kick off with Norway. How are we doing, Norway? It's, I sound like, uh, what is it, the Eurovision? <laughs> <laughs> Muslim version. <laughs> the Muslim version. Family Let's hear the Nazar. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm very glad to be back here at uh, Aslana mm-hmm. after four years, four years of wait. Feels like uh, a lot more. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm. I think four years is much more when it comes to MD years uh, mm. in terms of Jalsa. So... I'm very glad to be back here again, alhamdulillah. Uh, the thing is, like, Norway is not too far. Mm. It's just two hours flight. So, right. you know, not being able to come previously during the four years because of the COVID restrictions as well, mm. it does feel like you're missing out a little bit, yeah, isn't it? it does. Yeah, so good but, you know, in, in terms of where we are in Norway, and we, we talk about the Jamaat, we talk about the community. So in your time as Imam there, let's say just in this brief period in four years, how would you say has been the biggest progression in Norway? Because, you know, Norway being one of the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Sweden, uh, Denmark, you're actually, um, your per capita, right? Uh, spend in terms of government is very high, right? So, you know, your level of education, the general public is quite high. So to spread the word of Islam, what are the major challenges that you faced or do you face in Norway? Um, So Norway is uh, uh, also a very small country when Mm -hmm. it comes to population. And... um, uh, the most difficult thing there is to, it's, in, in a way, it's quite easy to um, um, use the media. All right. It's, because it's a small country, it's easier to uh, get your articles published or get some media attention. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do a lot, you just have to do some effort mm-hmm. uh, to get uh, the media attention. So, uh, in a way, it's easy. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, the climate, uh, the, the perception of Islam, which is being uh, uh, put forth by uh, the non-Muslims or, or even the Muslims, uh, that makes uh, it a, a bit a bit difficult to, to change that perception mm. uh, in the media. So, so we've heard, or I've, I've heard whilst being in the studio, different ways of doing tablik, right? Different ways of doing preaching. Not the old. Um, let's have a have a tabik stall. You know, have a you know a few leaflets out there. A couple of uncles stood there in the rain, saying, "You know, we're, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? That's one form of tabik." Yeah. But we live in the 21st century, and you know, one of the things that uh, it just shows me, and actually always illustrates to me, that we are 
uh, a, a blessed community under the auspices of His Holiness is because of the foresight of His Holiness. So just, uh, we have the two brothers from Belize and you know the idea that uh, Brother Naveed had of you know, uh, having a basketball league, right? I can't imagine the Pope Right, getting some some cardinals saying right, okay, I want to start a football league. Right, can I get some funds from centre to start a football league? Because I think it's a good thing. Right, I'm not saying the Pope wouldn't say yes. I'm sure they have masses of funds, right, in the uh, Catholic community. But once again, this shows just the the, the foresight uh, of His Holiness. So in terms of that, you know, in Norway. Yes, you, you know, how, how can you use different forms or how do you approach the bleak then? It can't be the more traditional way. Have you, or have you had any guidance from His Holiness? Well, we still stick to, um, I, I like, personally like sticking to the bleak stalls. Right. I really much enjoy it a lot. I wasn't dissing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because I feel that, uh, you know these the bleak stalls. The, the the good thing about this is that only those people really interested mm-hmm. in religion or in Islam or maybe also in Ahmadiyyat are those who come to our stalls. So instead of uh, trying to reach out to people, you just set up a stall and you make it as attractive as possible, and you set it up not only uh, in the different cities or the different towns. But we also like to set it up uh, in uh, universities. Mm-hmm. So re- re- I just recently I got a batch from the university as well. So um, bad meaning somebody converted. Uh, yeah, to somebody community. converted to to our to Islam Ahmadiyya. Uh, so the bleak stalls, uh, and we were also recently there was a video which went wild as well uh, of uh, some uh, TLP guy. It was uh, very angry and uh, hit our Qurans as well. Mm-hmm. So, so this is this is what I wanted to to bring that on because, uh, I, you know, I, I saw that video and mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in one of the problems that we have in Scandinavia, uh, is that uh, there is this element or this uh, idea that free speech means that you can literally do anything. And especially mm-hmm. when it comes to Islam, mm-hmm. they literally allow free speech. They go extra, you know, mild. The extreme. To, yeah, extreme that, you know, yeah, yeah, do this, do this. And um, so in, in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, for example, there mm-hmm. has been instances of Quran burning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in on some cases even been supported by the police, mm-hmm. not stopping anybody from doing that mm-hmm. or uh, not trying to, you know, uh, restrict it. So that's where I wanted to come to Yasser to... Uh, to speak about that first of all that why is is that idea there and then obviously on the other side you had uh, you know a, a store where you displayed the Holy Quran and we saw on the other side the other extreme where, where somebody who calls themselves Muslims come and you know uh, shoves the Quran or disrespects the Holy Quran yeah. so the what irony about here? this whole situation was that you know at the same time even the same day, day when these uh, marches or these demonstrations, which was being arranged and held by uh, our Muslim brothers, non-Hamdi Muslim brothers, who were uh, uh, rightly uh, demonstrating against this, uh, um, these Quran burnings. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have these uh, so-called Muslims, I would like to call them, who very proudly declared themselves to be uh, followers of uh, Khadim Hussain Rizvi, uh, being they were calling themselves Labaikwala, 
uh, coming to our stalls. And these are all references to yeah. extremist uh, mm-hmm. organizations. Yeah. And uh, he wanted our stalls to be, uh, yeah, that we pack up our stall and just leave, or get out. Uh, and eventually, uh, because we didn't show any, uh, he didn't get the response he wanted, he tried to um, um, intimidate intimidate us, uh, and at the end, uh, even hit the Quran, which I, we, had, Quran uh, we had done in Spain, or one of the, the, I mean, the, this, the this, copies this, of the Quran. This even. is the first time I'm hearing of both sides of that story, or, or the, that, that side of that story. And to me, I mean, obviously, you know, as an outsider, hearing that firsthand, you know, isn't it hypocritical that you yourself profess to be a Muslim, and you know, if you profess yourself to be a Muslim, right, then your holy book is the Quran. Why would you yourself then damage the Quran? Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, that's what they don't. It, just, yeah, I, it I also just shows the level that. of ignorance yeah. because yeah. they think they actually actually think that we have made up. A but yes, sir. Uh, actually, taking a, a step back, yeah. why was there this burning of the Quran? I mean, who had un- undertook that burning of the Quran? Was it just a maybe a right wing element? Uh, in Norway, what, what, uh, this what was actually happening in Sweden. Oh, in these Sweden. days, it was happening in Sweden, and uh, it, it's not the first time they've been burning the Quran. Mm-hmm. So this time, it, it, they've been doing it for like uh, four years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very much engaged when they when, when they started. Uh, they actually started in Kristiansand, uh, the city I used to be in, um, and uh, I wrote, wrote loads of articles about this and. Uh, they they were even published in the um, in the main. Uh, so what uh, was the? I, I don't under, I still really can't get a handle on this. But what was the underlying reason for burning of the Quran? The thing was that this there is a group called Sian, which mm-hmm. stands for Stop Islamization of Norway. Right. There was these guys were, were nobody took them serious at all. They used to have their d- demonstrations and their arrangements uh, their, where they used to uh, uh, come with slurs and stuff against uh, Islam. And nobody paid any heed to them mm-hmm. because they only kept talking. Right. <laughs> so just to get some more inter- attention, they announced that they would burn the Quran. Mm-hmm. This ha- happened for the first time in November 2019. Mm-hmm. They announced that they would burn the Quran. They weren't allowed to burn it. So they, uh, but the, uh, since they had announced this, that's the first time they actually came in the media, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all the Muslims gathered to protest. Uh, not uh, yeah, most of the Muslims in that city, they gathered to protest against this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the, they did was that they said that we weren't allowed to burn the Quran, so we're just going to p- throw it in the dustbin, mm-hmm. and that copy was actually the, uh, the Ahmadiyya copy of the Quran as well. <laughs> And then they burnt, uh, some of them actually burnt the Quran as well, although right. it wasn't allowed. Uh, they didn't have permission from the police. Mm-hmm. And if I don't remember correctly, uh, that Quran, the copy of the Quran was actually just a translation of the Quran. So it wasn't, in a way, it wasn't that holy. Mm-hmm. But that caused, uh, what happened was that there were two youngsters, uh, so, uh, Muslims, who were protesting against this. They jumped over the fence and they attacked those uh, guys who mm. burned the Quran. That's what they wanted. They yeah, wanted exactly. someone to attack them. Incite, yeah. 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 incite some kind of reaction. So, 
Hence, you yeah. know, it's like a self well, self fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. You're, you've called it out, and now look, there you go, right? Mm, yeah. That's here, here you have Muslims for you, right? Yeah. So actually, so I'm, I'm quite um, intrigued by the timing because you're saying 2019. So for me, uh, I've seen this popular politics, right, um, since 2016. So we've seen it in global politics in terms of Trump, in terms of in India, Modi. In this country, we have Boris Johnson. And I'm sure and I'm going to move across, right? So I thought, you know, you, you didn't really have that much in Scandinavia, but obviously you did. And you do in the Netherlands. So now I'm going to bring in uh, Imam uh, Ibrahim. So even in the Netherlands and Belgium, those areas, you do have a very negative political and media aspect towards Islam. I really don't want to use Islamophobia because I, I don't agree with that terminology. Phobia is something to be f fearful of, right? But an anti-Islamic sentiment. Now, you know, how as you know, Amdi Muslims, right, should we engage, should we engage uh, you know, the public mm. as regards to that? Because, you know, it, it, it does, I mean, you just telling me that has riled me up, right? <coughs> I do feel resentment. But in that resentment, how do we channel that channel that anger, that angst that we feel that you should not be doing this to a your holy book, b my holy book, right? Why the hell are you doing this, right? How do we take those negative, you know, emotions that we feel within ourselves and channel that into a positive effect? Jazakallah, <laughs> it's uh, definitely really important topic uh, at the moment um, especially in Holland it's mm -hmm. definitely true that um, Islamophobia it's uh, uh, it's among the people uh, you can feel it mm -hmm. um, and one more beautiful thing what we have learned of course uh, from our uh, Khulafa uh, and the promised Messiah uh, peace be upon him that we have to show love when someone is uh, hate uh, towards you, uh, shows hate towards you or your community, uh, burning the Quran, we should show love uh, and with uh, wisdom we have to uh, reply mm -hmm. and we can do that through so many uh, uh, ways, uh, through the pen, uh, practical uh, what I uh, have experienced in the field as a field missionary in Holland since four years that uh, the youth is uh, kind of brainwashed through the media of course mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we as Muslims, we don't get that pl uh, platform, uh, that media platform so much as mm -hmm. often as the other yeah. uh, communities. Uh, as might be the same in other uh, countries, of course. Mm -hmm. And the best way is through personal contacts. Right. Uh, I've experienced that as a field missionary also in Holland, that personal contacts, building those, uh, that will uh, increase the love. Um, mm -hmm. And that they say they will, the general public will realize that the true uh, teachings of Islam mm -hmm. is different than what they see in the social media because in the social media is these days it's really well, no, easy it's, it's, it's so it's, easy to get it, manipulated it, it, uh, I mean the you, thing is with yeah. social media yeah. with media yeah on uh, mass whether it be in your countries Netherlands Norway or here in the UK we know that it just depends on who owns that media yeah right yep. and that message will be put out so, you know, in terms of, and you said, you know, as your experience as a field missionary is to make that personal contact. So, you know, how have you felt that, because obviously there, there is uh, this negative 
negativity regarding Islam. So, you know, um, even uh, previously, our brother from Belize, Canada, um, brother Naveed, right, Imam Naveed, has said that he was, you know, said, oh, look, you know, there's a Taliban, right? Because he looks like a Taliban, he looks like a terrorist. So how do you, you know, as, as an imam, right, and you face this on a daily basis, how do you actually change that message? How do you actually take that message, that social construct that you've been put in because of, as uh, you've said, Imam yesterday, right, these so-called Muslims who enact these acts of terrorism in the name of Islam, of which it's totally, you know, it's totally, absolute, I would say BS, but I'm not allowed to. But, you know, there's a total untruth of Islam, right, or of any religion is to take, you know, harm another human being. So how do you take, you know, how do you just not to only make that, that, uh, that personal contact, right? How do you yourself get over that negativity? It's not just showing love, right? Mm. So let's go practical. I mean, uh, Imam Yasser says he prefers to have those tablik stores to make that quality is more is better than quantity kind of message. How do you do it in, in the Netherlands? In the Netherlands, we have a similar... Is it with chips and mayonnaise? Oh, we have similar <laughs> approach, of course, with a lot of uh, bookstalls and leafletting. Right. And of course, uh, you mentioned it before that sports is a really yeah. good... Uh, a uh, way to do it. Uh, yeah. Myself, I'm also really uh, active in sports, mm -hmm. and uh, and show interest in uh, the in the people and the local, the local people. Understand yeah. where you are based. Understand mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. Every community in every council, every village, or every area of a country mm -hmm. is different. Yes. Right. If you know that every single council or region, they have their own. Uh, favorite maybe ways of uh, having programs or mm -hmm. their own kind of a culture or something mm -hmm. is uh, huh, in that area. So try to understand, show mm -hmm. interest, show love in that way mm -hmm. that you will get that love back. Mm -hmm. um, and often involved in their yeah. uh, activities. Because often yeah. the, it's misconceptions isn't it, yeah. that people have when it comes to Islam. Yeah. And when you are able to get through to them, their fear of Islam or mm. from Muslims is that or maybe mm. they're coming in mm. they're going to bring something new and change our culture or mm. change our life uh, way of but life you see I mean this uh, something that uh, Imam Yasser was saying just earlier on it's this idea uh, was it Sen this this CN, CN right yeah. this organization so to me I don't know if you've heard about it Yasser but uh, uh, Tucker Carlson right who is a Fox the Fox anchorman over in the US so he, he purports this white uh, replacement theory and it's just one of these far-right just completely ludicrous uh, concepts that actually what is white replacement theory I don't know if any of you moms have heard of it yet right uh, um, no <laughs> maybe <laughs> that terminology is different for them yeah. so basically meaning that he thinks that slowly slowly the cultures are taking away their rights and uh, all the white people in America are basically being replaced yeah. And it's not specifically aimed in at, power, uh, yeah. at, at, pointed at us yeah. as, as Muslims, but it's more specifically pointed at uh, Hispanics, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But it, the same can be said of anything else, right? Because it is a racist slur. And that's what I mean by popular or populist politics. And there's no... there's no. We do have something similar in, in Norway. We call it Eurobia mm -hmm. theory, where they say that... Uh, yeah, Islam has uh, conspiracy where they they want to 
come and they want to replace us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it, it's called the Aerobia theory in mm-hmm. Norway. And we've seen this yeah. in the whole of Europe, I mean, mm-hmm. Netherlands, Belgium, France with Le Pen. Luckily, she just lost. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's that idea that actually Islam is basically taking us over. But it's how do we change that social concept of, yes, we are taking over, but it's a, it's a good thing that we're taking over. Why? A, B, C, D, and we give those. And so how do you guys right, give that positive message? So we were talking about... Let's not talk about takeover. Let's talk about <laughs> a merger, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, when these things happen, when, when people do these stupid things uh, as uh, attacking people uh, for, because of their demonstrations, so sadly, these are actually the moments when we, or these are the opportunities we get Mm-hmm. to do the league because then we get the chance to uh, present the real Islam mm-hmm. so w- when these uh, things happen we try to uh, uh, actively uh, contact media uh, or write uh, articles mm-hmm. uh, where we try to explain what the true teachings of Islam is mm-hmm. uh, for example when people uh, disrespect the Quran uh, on numerous occasions, I've written articles where I've explained that uh, how the Quran wants you to uh, respond to people disrespecting the Quran. So if you actually, if you, if you're claiming that you respect the Quran, uh, the Quran actually says that you're not even supposed to be on those places where the Quran is being disrespected uh, or Islam is being disrespected, or you have to uh, you have to go away. Uh, or you have to show um, patience. Uh, these are the ways you ex- explain to people. Uh, so when I've written about this, uh, it actually got a really great response mm-hmm. from a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people. Yeah, because uh, look, as as you said, they wanted attention, right? So mm-hmm. as soon as the Muslims there, uh, some Muslims, I'm not saying all, some Muslims, when they showed that reaction, when they became aggressive, that gave them the mm. chance to say you know this is why we're doing this because look these people yeah. don't even have a pati- yeah. any patience and this is what they will do to your country yeah so, so islam teaches be opposite i mean mm. the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know the people used to throw rubbish and other things on him or used to abuse him he just ignored them and mm. prayed for so them. i i wrote about this in the in my article and i wrote that if muslims had followed the quran and haven't uh, if they avoided such places I didn't show that response and show uh, and if they showed the response Quran wanted them to show these things wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. maybe they would have burned the Quran once or twice and then they would have stopped mm-hmm. so this actually happened uh, the, the, uh, after I wrote my article uh, a few months later when they were planning their next uh, Quran burning uh, they had announced that they would do it in a Muslim populated area in Oslo so what happened was that the two main Muslim uh, organizations they both read that, and they both posted messages on uh, uh, social their social media accounts that, uh, without referring to the Quran verses, I, I had because uh, <laughs> uh, they wouldn't want to give us publicity, yeah. right? <laughs> so they said that, yeah, um, uh, they, I, I, they basically said the same as uh, I, I had said mm-hmm. in, ref- in with reference to those Quran Quranic yeah. verses that you sh- you're not supposed to be there. Don't go there. Yeah. Don't attend those. Don't give them attention. Mm-hmm. So, 
uh, slowly and slowly, people stopped giving them attention. Mm-hmm. And then these people just became more desperate. Mm. They started burning the Quran while driving. And because of that, this got them arrested as well. They, they just wanted some reaction. Once they tra- tried to burn the Quran outside the road, we said, I don't know what, what yeah, the it. Consul yeah, house. the consul house. And oh. then um, <laughs> when, the, when some security people came to stop them, they just uh, they sprayed them with uh, pepper spray that yeah you're you're just you're, you're, you're just stopping my right yeah. to mm-hmm. freedom of speech or anything expression and then people will go against them because yeah. they are disrupting so, the yeah so the they just made a fool of themselves, of themselves because themselves. they didn't get any attention okay. they stopped getting attention and then uh, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> perfect we're just coming up to the news and we'll be hearing over the next few days how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is serving Islam and the Holy Quran. Jazakallah.